And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Friday. Gary, how are you? Eh. Oh, it's Friday. Great. <laughs> All right. Let's mail it in and then get out of here. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm just reading this. Uh, uh, Breitbart. Yeah. Uh, Emma Jo Morris uh, writes, Hunter Biden insults addicts to deflect from corruption. Hunter Biden published a column Thursday in USA Today in which he dismissed scrutiny of his flagrant corruption as merely being about the fact that he is an addict. Yeah. And she writes a public relations spin that insults millions of Americans struggling with the illness and millions more uh, with a loved one who has it. The first son penned a column in USA Today claiming that the attacks on him in the press and disinformation about his father are not about the mountain of evidence pointing to them selling the American people to the highest bidder. No, they are attacks on his addiction. Uh huh. He wrote, framing the scrutiny of his business practices based on materials from his hard drive, which he left at a repair shop while addicted to crack, as scrutiny of the fact that he was addicted. Uh, uh, he was uh, uh, addicted to uh, drugs. Uh, but because uh, uh, I'm trying to get the actual quote here because uh, I was looking at I printed up the copy, which is always mm. a mistake. Mm-hmm. Well, you you, pr- know, the- you print it up, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a there's a little ad in there that that uh, that mm-hmm. messes up covers half the column, messes up everything. But but I've I've got it here. Um, uh, okay. Uh, The president's son wrote, framing the scrutiny of his business practices based on materials from his hard drive, Mm. which he left at a repair shop while addicted to crack, as scrutiny of the fact that he was addicted to crack. My struggles and my mistakes have been fodder for a vile and sustained disinformation campaign against 
President Joe Biden and an all-out annihilation of my reputation through high-pitched but fruitless congressional investigations and more recently criminal charges for possessing an unloaded gun for 11 days five years ago, charges that appear to be the first ever of their kind brought in the history of Delaware. Well, I, I, I guess, you know, if you want to look for a defense and uh, you are a uh, liberal uh, Democrat who has done everything you can to make money uh, either based on having your father take bribes, uh, yeah. be involved in influence peddling, or that you're involved in the illusion of influence of peddling, then you are a victim. Well, and let's look at the evolution of the defense from the entire Biden team. First, it was, I don't know anything about my son's business dealings. I know nothing. I know nothing. I know nothing. Well, nothing was done wrong. Well, there was nothing wrong done here. This is disinformation. Oh, uh, we got 50 uh, uh, former intel people that say this is clearly uh, an attempt by the Russians at more disinformation. Uh, that's not my laptop. That is my laptop, and you can't get into it. You can't see my things. That's personal, but it's not my laptop. Um, Then the media jumped on it and said, well, it's just, you know, a father who loves his son, and his son was going through a lot. He was an addict, and now it's the son throwing himself under the bus. That's the evolution of the defense here, which tells you they're getting closer and closer. He even goes on to suggest that not only is he under legal and political scrutiny because he is an addict, uh, is used here because being an addict is seen as a constant state of being, a label that doesn't go away when one is is a recovery. We're not suggesting that Hunter is currently using, but that this scrutiny by partisan and craven factions will dissuade users across the country from getting clean. (laughs) Quote, the weaponization of my addiction by partisan and craven factions represents a real threat to those desperate to get sober but are afraid of what may await them if they do. Oh, my God, that's horrible. Are you kidding me? That's terrible. It is already a near uh, impossible decision for addicts to get sober, and the avalanche of negativity and assault of my personal privacy may only make it harder for those considering it. Uh Uh-huh. I, I, you know, I, yeah. I can see that, you know, I've been an addict and everything else and, you know, I'm ready to quit mm-hmm. because I realize that I have to, by the way, I'm, I'm not talking about me, mm. <laughs> but if you were an addict, right. If I, if, if I was an, an addict, I finally come to the decision that nobody, nobody can make me stop doing drugs, uh, or whatever your addiction is, alcohol, drugs, except me. Uh, but then I realize there is one person uh, that can keep me from trying to solve my addiction problem, and that's because of the oppression of Hunter Biden. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, wow. You it's know, it, so it's, poor. It, it really is weak. Uh, and, again, it's, you know, again, another, I think, failed attempt attempt at at defending joe biden this is what they have been doing and and of course then trying to start the narrative well you know they were just setting the entire family was just setting joe up he didn't know they were selling influence and and all of these lame excuses and the latest of which is uh hunter biden himself 
throwing himself under the proverbial bus. Uh, And it is clearly an indication of the GOP uh, and this investigation getting much, much closer to the fire uh, because the entire the entire articles is just filled with Mm -hmm. with uh, crap, frankly. Well, and again, it's deflecting. Yep. Yep. It's it's deflecting. He's he's not addressing uh, the evidence that has been coming out Mm -hmm. because that's what you do. You address you address the evidence specifically. You just don't. I mean, the White House came out and said the other day that uh, everything that they're all the evidence is simply a conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. Well, you see, the American public doesn't buy it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and so if you if you believe that, look, I can tell you, I can, because here, here's what I do. If I could legitimately explain why all those 20 fake corporations existed and why all these bank accounts existed and why nine family Biden members made money, and if, and if you could tell me what the business is, or if I could tell you what the business was, if it was me, I would do that. I would put it out there to the, I would have put it out there to the media to shut down the GOP and make them look ridiculous. Right. Here's here's what it was about. All these bank accounts were about this. Here's the business that we're in. The business that we're in is this. I would defend myself based uh, if I believe the Republicans were cherry picking evidence or this evidence was was coming out and it was based on falsehoods i would provide as much i would provide as much as i could now in order to save my father's reputation yeah that's what you would actually do because right. i would do anything for my father and especially if i knew that there was nothing there i would back my father mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i would say no 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 uh, well, I, I call up Barry Weiss and, and Matt Taibbi and say, hey, you guys come over. I'm going to let you go through my right. books. Exactly. I'm going to let you go through everything here. You guys write the article. I'm going to stay away from it. You guys write what you find. As uh, she writes here, criticism of Hunter for his behavior is not a criticism of addiction or recovery. And Hunter Biden is not an example of human uh, frailty. As he describes himself, Hunter is only an example of an elitist with a cavalier attitude toward exploiting America for his personal benefit. He is exactly the opposite of a symbol of recovery, a process that begins and is sustained by finding God and personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I'll add into that the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the truth. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you know, if. For example, um, uh, uh, we can use the um, oh, I got I got uh, I got mind blank here. The uh, the uh, the actor from Friends that just died, Matthew Perry. Yeah, I was thinking of LeBlanc. Mm. <laughs> uh, um, Matthew Perry. If when I saw him, and I've seen him in a, lo- a long form interview, mm-hmm. this goes back I don't know six months ago, a year ago, whenever, mm-hmm. and you saw his honesty mm-hmm. and when the interviewer or anybody else would bring up anything that would be an excuse for his uh for his addiction outside of his own personal choices or tried to give him a way out he didn't take it yeah 
Right. He said, no, well, that's, this is on me. That's it. And, and you've seen it over and over again. If, if you've ever been close to somebody who has gone through recovery, part of it is to, number one, you have to own it. You have to, you have to acknowledge it first. But beyond that, you also have to own all the things that you did during that time. Yep. And part of that recovery is making amends to those that you have damaged, those that you have hurt. And, you, I mean, they made a whole series of it on NBC. They turned it into a comedy. But, uh, you know, was it was it uh, Earl? Uh, and, and he had to go back and apologize. I didn't even I didn't watch the show and I didn't learn that until late in the game about that show. But you've seen it. Hollywood has depicted it. And I don't know how many films and TV shows. Mom. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I, I just uh, I am unbelievably impressed because I've only started watching it. You know, the reruns in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Incredibly impressed by that show and the writing of that show. Yeah. About addiction. Right, right. Because that's what it's about. Right. The whole show is about addiction. Right. And yeah. and, and, and it's a comedy. It has, uh, you know, just hilarious moments in it, but it's all based around addiction and overcoming addiction. And Hunter Biden basically is insulting every addict who is attempting to recover. Well, that's it. And, and you know, you look at... at at that process of somebody going through that and they'll always own it. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. They'll tell you. I destroyed everything. I lost everything. Uh, I saw it on one documentary and it was a person who was still uh, under addiction and, and battling with heroin every day. And they said, I was a stockbroker. I was making close to a million a year. I had a house. It was paid for. I had a family and kids, and it's all gone. And I'm living on the streets right now, and I can't overcome this addiction. And I've tried several times. I've gone through treatment, and I'm back here. And every day, this is my process. I try and get money in the morning and then try and get my drug later. And we've we've seen it, quite unfortunately, play out over and over again. And what you see here with with Hunter is blaming, you know, he's he's trying to be the victim here of something that he himself created. This is all him. I have a uh, uh, a very close friend who's uh, an admitted alcoholic mm. and I believe has been clean for over five or six years. Mm hmm. And this person went through, went through hell, not associated, you know, for example, she had, uh, her, her husband committed suicide. You know I mean? Just a ton of things that you could use to justify becoming an alcoholic. Now she was drinking before that, but she owns it every single day. She owns it. Yeah. Every single day she owns it. And it's tough. Because I, I sit there and say to myself, I remember one time some counselor said, if you're Irish, you have more a susceptibility to being an alcoholic. Mm. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I, mm. But uh, I just went and I have known other people that have been in recovery and successfully have done it. Mm-hmm. And when they tell me, 
because it's foreign to me. Not that I haven't drank and uh, and overdone it in my past, but I when when they start, you know, and there's a difference between that and being an alcoholic, mm. and when because probably most people can say at some point, except my parents, never saw my parents drunk ever, mm. ever, mm. my entire life, which I think probably was a a good thing and a, you know a good model for for parents mm-hmm. uh you know for for their for their kids but um uh when they tell me about the longing for it that it exists every day mm-hmm. and every day they think about it mm-hmm. I'm like oh that's not me you right. know, i may have done stupid right. things in my life yeah but i never had that i've got to have 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 that and that has to be and I do legitimately believe that it's something that is in their heads. And to me, that's torture. Yeah. If you ha- if you believe you if you think about something every day and long for it and have to go to a, you know, have to go to a meeting and go to mm-hmm. a number of times to do it yeah. and have a support group behind you to do that mm-hmm. and really, really examine yourself each and every single day. For the rest of your life, while I have, still maintaining your current life, you still have yes, to maintain right, a job right. and pay your bills and keep you, up with your responsibilities and all that. There is a tremendous amount of courage that goes into all of it. Mm, yeah, and you know, at times when she will will get down, I'll I'll tell her. I said, well, "Do you know where you understand? You know, because she'll you know just normal stuff, jobs and money right, and everything right. else." I go, but do you understand where you came from? Right. And you know, she tells me, she goes, you always give the, you, she goes, you always give me that perspective. And I said, yeah, because it doesn't matter to me. I, I look at people in life and say, where were they and where did they, where are they now? Where did mm-hmm. they come from? What was yeah, the fight? Everybody of, falls about? off the horse. Right. Everybody makes mistakes. Yep. Uh, Hank Azaria talking about Matthew Perry. You know, he took me, yeah. you know, and Matthew Perry talking about not being able to watch Friends. He said, I can't watch it because I'll watch one season and say, oh, I was addicted to this during that season, or I was addicted to that during that season, and that's all I see. You know, and you have to move on. And, you know, the stories are endless. But what we're seeing here from Hunter Biden is a lame excuse, a lame attempt to become once again the victim. 86690-RED-EYE. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Cold temperatures and water can lead to only one outcome, and ice has no place in a truck's air system. That's why it's crucial to keep your air system moisture-free as the temperatures begin to drop. One of the simplest and most cost-effective ways to keep moisture out of your air system is to change your air dryer desiccate cartridge. This should be changed as recommended by the manufacturer or annually as part of your preventive maintenance routine and preparation for winter. Make sure your air system is in top condition before plunging temperatures put it to the test. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find 
great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Harley, and uh, and and I'm Gary McNamara. But you know, still playing Hunter Biden, playing the victim. You know, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know, basically saying that the investigation behind him is all uh, you know because the opposition is going after his addiction. Yeah, and this may stop somebody else because he is such a victim of the oppression. Mm-hmm. Of 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 people not addressing because that's what you do and and really to finalize this you would do what we said we would do if those accusations were made against us yeah we go point by point and say the check is bogus the check is a fraud mm-hmm. you know those checks right. are holding up don't actually exist and here's what's ac- actually happening here's why we set up all these bank accounts here's right. why we set up right. all the fake LLCs this right. is the actual business. That we, the Biden family, was in. Right. They can't do that, so he's got to no. claim victim. Yep. And get a word in edgewise. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara uh, talking about uh, Hunter Biden yesterday. Uh, an op-ed piece uh, in the in USA Today uh, uh, blaming his situation on the fact that he is an addict and a victim. And the, anyone who is any of the Republicans that is do, doing the investigation on him it's all based on his addiction that he has done nothing wrong. Mm. And the fact of the Republicans hitting him uh, and asking the questions of his father uh, is, you know, will keep other addicts from coming forward, which is just, I mean, it's just, the thing is you can't connect those dots. No. You, you can't, you can throw dots out there, but you can't connect them. Let's go to John in Bakersfield, California, who was, uh, a re- recovering addict. Hi, John. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Gary. I appreciate it. Thank you, Eric, for taking my call. 
Yeah, yeah. I've been listening to you guys for a long time. What a shame. What a shame. I've got, okay, I live in Fresno, but anyways, I'm traveling to Bakersfield. I drive truck, okay? Mm. The thing about recovery is you have to own it. Mm. You, got, you guys hit it right on the, right on the money. Yeah. I mean, I started out in my addiction, never wanted to be one, but I was, and I went to the bottom. But you know what? By the grace of God and the grace of my spirit, I've been clean 17 years. I'm back driving truck again. I got my own house. So, you know what? Him not, him, him not blaming himself yeah. and that he's an addict, give me a break. Yeah, yeah. Good I for mean, you, really, John. Guys, I, mean, I mean, yeah, it's a tough road, yeah. but you have to take responsibility. And I'm blessed that I got my brother and my family back in my life yeah. because I had to do the hard work. Mm. It's hard work, but you know what? It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And you and know, you I'm and you had, traveling. And, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Gary. No, I, I was I was just going to say that that uh you know knowing uh you know close friends that have been addicts the one thing and I, and I've talked about the courage and guts it takes to continually Absolutely. you know not not be an addict anymore, yeah. you know, to be a re- yeah. recovered uh, addict, but the one thing you know when I talk about the courage that I have seen in people uh, that have gone into recovery is the fact, and and we've talked about this before. If you've been a listener to the show, that I think one of the biggest things in our society, the problem is that the public accepts lies. Well, what I found in recovered addicts is they are forced, if they wish to have a life and not be an addict, they have to be completely and totally honest to yeah. the point of what you don't see in normal society. Right. Yeah. You have. You have to, no matter what. Anybody calls me on anything anymore, I, I can't bring myself to that anymore. Yeah, I lived in it for way too long. Right. And you know, to be able to, you know, talk to you guys on the radio, be able to hear up here in my own truck, driving truck down, you know, Highway 99. Mm. It's like this is a dream, but I'm glad I'm almost done with it. I only got four more years, man, mm. and I'm retired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm freaking done. Well, well, yeah. I mean, these yeah. guys out here, these guys, because I'm running local now. I used to run cross country. Mm. But doggone it, man. These guys in California, you don't watch yourselves, you're going to die. Yeah. I mean, these guys are crazy out yeah. here, Eric. Yeah. I mean, absolutely <laughs> bummed. Yeah. Well, well, great topic, man. Thank thank you, John. We greatly appreciate it. And and thank you for sharing your story and uh, and and all the best to you in the the years ahead. And thank you so much again. Uh, John is doing one of the hardest jobs there is in uh, arguably the hardest state to do it in. That is just amazing. Uh, Every anybody who knows trucking and the, the regulations in the California Air Resources Board over the years and and how uh, overbearing the regulation has been uh, for trucking uh, knows full well how difficult it is. And uh, yet John is is doing it. Uh, and uh, th- those, you know, those are the things that that you look for uh, when when you know somebody is in earnest because they don't make the excuses. The excuses uh, are gone. It, when you keep making the excuses what you're trying to hold on to, you know, is that, well, you know, it's not me. It's something else. And, you know, it's I, you know, I can't take responsibility. And only until that point where you can uh, is when you start to see 
that real recovery. And I've I've watched it happen uh, quite often, uh, far too often. And I've seen people fall back into addiction or alcoholism. And it's every single time it's heartbreaking. And and you reach out. But one of the things that is discussed in those groups of us that are around the support teams, maybe of individuals that are going through it is, is that we all know that that person has to stand up for themselves. They're going to have to want to go through that recovery again. And I'm guessing um, it, it appears to me that it is harder each time if they fall back into addiction and come back, you know, it's even harder. And we've seen it happen. We've seen, I don't know how many famous people that have talked about it over the years. And we've, we've watched it over and over and over again. Uh, the stories, if you watch the, um, the one documentary about Eric Clapton and he says, Oh yeah. He says, I didn't want to die because I loved drinking too much. Yeah. I didn't want to die. Yeah, I saw that. I yeah. wanted to stay alive so I could keep drinking because I loved it so much. And then he talks about going through and claiming that he was clean, but then he was on other drugs and he would be on television doing an interview about how he gave up alcohol and he's recovering. And during that interview, he was on drugs. He was on other drugs. And that started, that led him to crossroads and and the recovery mm-hmm. center and and now the the uh series of concerts every three years uh to benefit that and but those are the stories you look at and and you see the honest the the brutal truth that comes along with that and it can only be paired with that brutal honesty you're not getting that from you're getting quite the opposite from hunter biden as, as she writes here, she goes, and ironically, he wraps himself in the struggle of addiction and wraps himself in the pain of millions across the country who grapple with it. He is the one demonizing addiction by attributing, cashing in with, and then it's a quote from one of his emails, the effing spy chief from China, end of quote, mm-hmm. as just normal behavior for addicts. No, all addicts aren't like Hunter, just cool exactly. with casually betraying their fellow citizens. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mentioned the the one success story from one of my uh, uh, friends who was in, uh, you know, recovery and, mm. and, uh, you know, and in AA, but there's also the other story about one of my best friends, mm. uh, Bob, who died in 1997 mm. and he was, uh, he was addicted to crack, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, you know, he, and he couldn't get over it and yeah. Yeah. people thought he got clean and he didn't. Yeah. And it was so painful that uh, it was so painful for the family that I actually didn't find out the truth for a couple of years. Mm. Uh, His family just couldn't tell me the truth. Mm. And I was, they had called me because I had lived in in a different state at that particular point. And, And he had had, let's put it this way. I walked into his house one time. I had just become, you know, I was a, just at the beginning of my talk radio career. I mean, just a couple of weeks into it. And I walked over to his house and he had a record album out. 
and there was just a pile of cocaine there. And I yeah. just turned around and said, can't be here. Can't do yeah, this. Right. You got to go. Yeah. And he yeah. Just, I remember it's him. It's scary. And I remember him telling me, he said, look, I'm not dealing it to make money. I'm just dealing it so I can have my own stash. Right. Never forget that. And right. so I didn't see him for a couple of years. And then one time I, I was getting ready to leave town for another job. And I said, I'm going to go by. I'm going to just drive by his his house. So I drove by the house, and you could tell the lawn wasn't really cut or anything, and it almost looked abandoned. Mm-hmm. And I went and knocked on the front door, and he answered. Yeah. And he had his wife had left, you know, with the kids. Mm-hmm. He had a mattress in the living room with a TV with a coat hanger. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, the house is, you know, I'm losing the house. I'll be out of here in a couple of weeks and, and uh, moving out. I wished him the best, and then it was a few years later, where I got the the call that he had died and the funeral had already happened. They just didn't know how to get a hold of me. Mm. And, uh, and, but they just said, uh, you know, he had heart problems and it wasn't heart problems. He was at work and decided to, you know, mm. I, I guess, uh, you know, do you do it like a, you know, however you do crack? I'm not mm. really sure. You know, the, I guess one of the, the pipes, the crack mm. pipe. Yeah. Mm. And he took a hit out of it. And at 36 years old, his heart basically blew up and he was gone. Mm. And I still have, I have his obituary card, the laminated card that they sent me with his, with it. And it's in my, it's in my front room. Yeah. And I, it's always a reminder. It's always been a reminder since he died in 97. It's always been a reminder how fragile life uh, is and how if you don't make the right decisions, it can be, be gone. And it's funny because it's been such a long time and I haven't talked about it in a while. I just started. <laughs> choking up a little bit uh, on it because he was such a great guy. Yeah. Just such a great, 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 great guy. And um, it still hurts today. You know, it hurts today, Twenty over 26 years later. It still hurts because I just wonder if he... And, and we had thought because he had problems and then, you know, everything I know, he had li- went back, lived with his parents and everything else. And then found a new uh, fiance, and everybody thought he was clean, and he wasn't. Right. Yeah. And you so know. you 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 see that. So I've seen both ends of, of of addiction. Most people have, you know, most people uh, yeah. in their family and friends have seen it, mm-hmm. and so at some level, at yeah. some level, and there's yeah. incredible disappointment. Yeah. And you do want to give up because you think about Matthew Perry, for example. What was he in rehab fifteen times? Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah, you know, fifteen times, and you know all the, I guess all the pills that he did, mm-hmm. the, the painkillers caused massive, you know, stomach problems or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you've gone to rehab seven or you know, let's put it this way: you go to rehab seven eight seven eight times. Most people are probably giving up on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and he came around, and like I said, the strength of when I saw the interview last year that he did. You know, you're just like, whoa, he's really, he's owning it. And right. There are no excuses right. yeah. uh, uh, for him. So it's it's such a serious thing. But there's so much courage I have seen in people that have gone through recovery and are still dealing with it uh, every, every day. And, and a great joy from the people who, there's a great joy for all the people who have, are in recovery. But there's just, I don't know, something special from people that are in recovery and say, you know something? I don't even think about it anymore. Well, you know, and you're like, okay, yeah. so you've 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 gotten to that point, which is 
probably rare for most addicts, most addicts I've met. Comedian John Mulaney and his latest oh, yeah. special on Netflix. I actually didn't see the special first. I saw him on Theo Vaughn's podcast. And it was roughly two hours of, it looked like a therapy session. It wasn't really, they're both comedians. But it wasn't, I mean, there were some funny moments, but it was very serious. I had no idea about John Mulaney, what he had gone through. Then I watched the special on Netflix. And it's, I mean, he looks different. His eyes look different. Uh, He looks different. Uh, And, you know, it's, it's a, it is a brutal honesty where you put it out there, making a stand-up special around that to me was because it had a different feel, a totally different feel than his other ones. And he talks about it, how he was hyper in one of his other ones. He's very funny, very funny. Mm -hmm. But to put that out there was, I thought, huge. It was, you know, it was something that was, that I'd never seen before. We saw it from Richard Pryor, but not to the extent where they line everything out I think probably Richard Pryor would be the best example of that, you know, before John Mulaney. But Mulaney making a special out of that was, it was rare. And when you see it, you understand that person's been through something. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. In Trend Eye Radio, he is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up, uh, following uh, the top of uh, the hour, Senator Dick Durbin calls for a ceasefire. Hmm. The thing is, they call for a ceasefire, and they say the civilian cas- casualties are unacceptable. All right, you call you call for a ceasefire, then what? Yeah, what happens then? Then what? And as the new speaker said yesterday, there was already a ceasefire. Yeah. They broke it. Right. Hamas broke the ceasefire. Israel that existed. didn't start this. Right. Top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. 
All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. We're here to a Friday. Made it. Oh, have a long weekend. Well, it's an hour longer. Oh, okay. I was like, what? We got a three-day weekend? <laughs> no. All right. That's right. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um. Completely forgot about that. Don't forget, when you go to bed Saturday night, set your clocks back to 1954. (laughs) Wow. That means I've got this little battery clock. It looks like like a clock, just a small little clock. And I only got it for like 10 bucks. Mm -hmm. But it, it looks like an old clock. And it runs by on a battery. But... I changed the battery when we changed the uh, the time. Mm-hmm. But it goes faster. So right now it's about 25 minutes faster. But I like it because I always panic. Oh, I got to get moving. I got to get to work. It's like, oh, I got plenty of time. Mm-hmm. So now I straighten out that clock <laughs> tomorrow night. And I'll yeah. have the regular time and then it screws me up again. <laughs> Yeah, someone uh, put the uh, meme out there. This is the time of year when the clock in my car is wrong for six months. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Well, thing is now, now you're now most of the you know most of the navigation systems either either have the it built in or it goes right off your phone. So mm-hmm. yeah. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, I only have to worry about um, the microwave. Basically, that's it. Uh, on, you know, the microwave and my stove, mm-hmm. I don't even pay attention to mm-hmm. what the time is on there. Yeah. That, I will, if I rent a place that has a kitchen, whether it's a, one of those kitchenette-type hotel rooms or an Airbnb, and the clock is wrong on the oven or the microwave, I have to set it. It's one of the first things I have to do. It's almost an obsession. I always have to fix it. And at my house, the microwave is right above the oven. (laughs) And they have to be timed together. Exactly. Yes. Not, not, doesn't have a second hand. No, but I set it. Okay. With a second hand from my clock. So I use an atomic clock. When I do it, and then I wait a minute and set the other one so that they are always only one or two seconds apart. I need help. I was going to say, can we get some professional help here for Eric? Yeah. Please. Yeah. The other day, uh, we lost power. It was uh, during it was during our vacation. And man, I was sick. Uh, but we lost power for a couple hours one day. And, of course, you have to get up and reset everything. And the, co- the my new coffee maker is giving me grief. And I don't even use it. It's usually other people in the house that are using the mm-hmm. coffee maker. And I don't even use it. But the clock, nope. It had the total wrong, it, you know, when I finally got it, the energy to walk out into the kitchen. Kitchen, it was, I don't know, maybe the next day or 
that night or something. I don't remember. But it was like 12 hours off, and I was like, no, 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 no. I may have COVID, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop everything right now and fix this clock. You know, I'm thinking just because the, it's, it's time to change the, uh, the, the clock, there's a few things that we're not hearing right now that are normally, that have been in the past, huge issues. Apparently, inflation and the situation of our society right now is more important than people on social media obsessing with the fact that we need to keep the time this, the, the same and not mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. And does everybody have off Thanksgiving? Yeah. <laughs> Remember how, well, the clock thing was a big topic last year. Huge topic last year. Oh, yeah. I haven't yeah. heard anything on it. Now. Lawmakers always jump on it. You know, then the, I'm introducing a bill. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Not going to happen. Nope. Nope. Um, you know, talking about introducing a bill, mm-hmm. I did see that Representative Massey did not vote for the Iran funding bill. Yeah. But he had a point. Mm-hmm. He yeah. had a great point. Mm-hmm. He said, the Republicans are selling you that this is paid for. By the way, you said Iran funding bill. It would be Israel funding Israel. bill. The Iran funding bill already happened. It's already in effect. Was that a Freudian slip? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> We're already funding Iran. We don't need more money for that. We're not enforcing the embargo. And I'm, I'm we sorry. Get, we let them have their $6 billion back. And there was no legislation to officially fund Iran. The legislation was to ensure we don't fund Iran, and Uh the president took it. So, yeah, that would be that would be erroneous. The Israeli funding act. Yeah, and he was he was coming up the the steps of the Capitol. And reporter said, "Why did you vote against the Israel, you know, uh, funding legislation?" He said, "Well, number one, because the Republicans are saying it's paid for." because they're taking money out of the Inflation Reduction Act that was going for more IRS agents, and they're going to put it, you know, for the funding, $14.5 billion for the funding for Israel. I almost said Iran again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, Iran got a lot more funding than that. Uh, mm-hmm. the, and um, he said, it's not paid for, because the Inflation Reduction Act wasn't paid for. All right. So you may be tra- you're simply transferring money from a program that was not paid for, right? That's going straight to the debt to another one, and part of the justification that you're actually using to do it is the fact that well, don't worry, it's paid for because we're taking it from over here. Mm-hmm. It's not paid for because everything Inflation Reduction Act they didn't set aside money for that. That goes directly to the debt, and so you're simply saying. When you say it's and, and that's a very important thing, because, you know, we talk about Republicans and, and honesty mm-hmm. and a new speaker. Mm-hmm. And Republicans are, you know, if if you want if you want to fund. Israel, I can understand that. Don't lie to the American people and say that it's paid for because it's not paid for. He made a great point because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's disingenuous. It's not paid for. And I'm like, okay, you and I were listening to it in our pre-show meeting and said, okay, where's the flaw in that argument? 
No, like, it's, it's a great point, and you know because it it what it does is it's the continuation of pretending. It's the continuation of basically how they sold the Inflation Reduction Act, and why would you want to do that? Yeah, it's not paid for. Well, that's strictly going to debt. Mm-hmm. Then you know, to, and and since money is fungible, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, how do you know that part might be paid for it by? by that but the entire thing is it adds whether you know you can pay for the inflation reduction act or you could technically say we're going to direct money and you, but you can't do it no the money isn't directed that way in the budget mm-hmm. right and so you really can't make the case that it's paid for right and so i went okay he's calling out his own party on it from what i can see he's correct on that so don't if you wish to fund israel do it but don't, because the, the the biggest, what you think about it, besides funding Israel, the second biggest point made by Republicans is we will only do it if we take from the Inflation Reduction Act because then it's paid for. Mm-hmm. I agree with Massey. I don't see any evidence that it is paid for because the Inflation Reduction Act wasn't paid for. All right. So just wanted to make... That particular point. Now, the ceasefire. You Dick Durbin come out yesterday and say ceasefire. Mm-hmm. Reading here, uh, Noah Rothram from National Review making the exact same point we've made uh, for the uh, last couple of days. Joe Biden caves on Israel. Biden's call for a ceasefire by another name. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yep. It's a capitulation to the loudest voices of his party's extreme left flank. I won't say that. I believe it's what he believes. Yeah, otherwise, right. otherwise, you would not have you would have not reversed what Trump had put into effect because of federal law. Right. The oil embargo of Iran. You wouldn't have right. done that and, and funded that. Right. He's still allowing right. uh, 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 Iran access to the global marketplace right. when it comes to selling oil. And you wouldn't have lied about the six billion dollars for the hostages. Right. You wouldn't have lied about that either, as the White House did, as pointed out. We went point by point with it from Andrew McCarthy, and for some reason that was not a big issue, and it should have been a lot bigger issue, you know, because when they came out and said, oh, no, 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 we have a deal, we've we've made a deal with uh, with uh, Cutter, and they have to abide by what we say, uh-huh. and Andrew McCarthy went in to go, there's no new deal. No. Absolutely no new deal whatsoever. They're just repeating what has happened already. Right. And and so that is our that was our early in, indicator that, no, he's, he's uh, that's anti-Semitism at that point. Yeah. By behavior, right. maybe not words, but by behavior. But uh, as we've said, the whole ceasefire is now humanitarian aid. Right. Humanitarian pause mm-hmm. is uh, what it's uh, what it's called. And he just writes here in the weeks that immediately followed the uh, October 7th massacre. Uh, Joe Biden said all the right things. He expressed his support for Israel. Absolute right to self-defense. He gave. uh uh, he he did not give any excuse to those in the party who tried to contextualize Hamas's depravity or mute its psychological impact on the civilized world through the liberal application of antiseptic euphemisms. That's a great line. Mm. He promised to make sure the Jewish and democratic state of Israel can defend itself against its enemies. Israel must again be a safe place for the Jewish people. And I promise you we're going to do everything in our power 
to make sure that it will be. Those aspirations didn't survive prolonged exposure to the progressive agitation. Biden's unapologetic backing for Israel's refusal to abide the genocidal regime on its borders mightily offended what the New York Times described as the young, diverse left, Hmm. which has captured so much of the Democratic Party's uh, support structure from academia to labor unions. Uh, Biden's moral convictions sent his job approval rating among Democrats into a tailspin. Muslim activists warned the president in no uncertain terms that his support for Israel would cost him their votes and with them the state of Michigan. The politics of 2024 intervened and Biden has adapted. So it was perhaps inevitable that Biden would cave when confronted by a bearded woman affiliated with the group of anti-Zionist Jews. And he goes back to the the point of of where he said uh, a humanitarian uh, pause. But mm-hmm. we knew that the day before because John Kirby had said yeah. that a humanitarian right. pause would be a positive thing. And we said, there it is right there. Right. So we knew it was coming. And we said a couple of weeks ago, they will back off on their support for Israel. Yep. And they've done exactly they've done exactly uh, uh, that. I want to play here. There's the speaker yesterday talking about uh, the calls for the ceasefire now, which is coming from the Democrats. And uh, uh, Durbin, from uh, what I read, said ceasefire. Mm-hmm. It's time for ceasefire. Yeah. Uh, here's Speaker Johnson yesterday. Regarding Israel, um, while House Republicans are leading on approach, we're also leading the charge to support our cherished friend. And last week, in one of my first acts as Speaker, we passed a resolution reaffirming our commitment to Israel and its moment of peril. And now, as Israel begins the next phase of its war, it's been kind of disturbing to us. I've heard Democrats uh, suggest that there needs to be a ceasefire. Let us be clear. We've been very clear about this. There was a ceasefire. It was before October 7th. And Hamas broke it, and Israelis suffered unspeakable acts of evil, as you've heard even recounted here this morning. Israel doesn't need a ceasefire. It needs its allies to cease with the politics and deliver support now. And that's what we're doing. There you go. And and that's, it's it's very clear. Uh, Israel did not start this. And and then you, you, if you just walk through a very simple scenario of what a ceasefire would look like. Israel lays down their guns. And the enemy, who has repeated, it's part of their charter, it's part of their mission, and has been from all, from the very beginning of Hamas. Eradicate all Jews. October 7th times a million. Mm -hmm. They have said that in recent days. They will not stop attacking Israel Israel just needs to stop and not defend themselves. They need to lay down and watch their people be slaughtered. The answer is no. We'll get into more details of this next. 86690-RED-EYE. Brought to you by FPPF Fuel Power Max. The IFTA tax program redistributes tax revenue to states based on your actual miles run. Thus, the truly cheapest fuel can only be found if you subtract federal and state taxes and state surcharges from the pump price to compare. The strategy means that you buy without regard for whether you are paying more at the pump in taxes. IFTA also considers state surcharges, which complicates the fuel buying strategy. Indiana, Kentucky, and Virginia have per-gallon surcharges. Connecticut, Kentucky, New Mexico, New York, and Oregon have per-mile surcharges. While some owner-operators buy only enough fuel to get through surcharge states, 
This practice can backfire, depending on the actual cost of the fuel in each state. When comparing fuel prices, always remember, pump pride minus taxes equals the real fuel cost. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Overdrive's Partners in Business program. Go to overdriveonline.com to the Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on this and many other topics. Brought to you by Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Here's uh, Senator Dick Durbin, Democrat, uh, calling for a ceasefire yesterday. Is a ceasefire needed now? I think it is, at least uh, under uh, in the context of both sides agreeing. For example, the release of those who have been kidnapped should be part of this immediate release. Uh, that should be the beginning of it. Uh, an effort should be made to engage in conversation between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Let's face it, this has gone on for decades. Uh, whatever the rationale from the beginning, it has now reached an intolerable level. Uh, we need to have a resolution in the Middle East that gives some promise for the future. Have you told the president, the White House, you think it's time for a ceasefire? Because that is a word that the president is uh, intentionally not using. Well, I, believe me, what I said earlier about ceasefires under circumstances, for example, the release of those who have been kidnapped, as part of it, uh, indication that this is a, a good faith effort on the part of the other side. Uh-huh. Good faith effort from Hamas. I mean, just ab- absolute idiocy. But remember, understand to the to the, the people of, of Illinois who keep reelecting him, this is the same guy, and we'll never forget it, who compared United States troops to the genocidal murderer Paul Pot. Yeah. Right. Understand how this man's brain thinks. Yep. It's pure insanity running through his brain, yet he is continually reelected in Illinois year after year after year. Yep. Yep. And he is absolutely, and anybody who believes Hamas is going to do anything in good faith. Well, they're using, delusional. Well, the fact is, he's he's falling right into what Hamas wants, which is we're going to use the hostages and just keep trickily trickily releasing them uh, uh, if we can get the United States to convince Israel to back off. Because mm-hmm. then the ceasefire has to continue. If they've got five hundred hostages, it just continues for how long? Mm. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Just reading more parts of the article from uh, National Review. Joe Biden caves on uh, on uh, Israel, as we said he would. Yeah, I mean, we we yeah. 
we knew this was going to uh, to to happen, and mm-hmm. we knew it because of the behavior of of Biden. Forget right. it. We don't care what he says. I don't care anymore what a politician says. It's meaningless. It's what they do. Yep. And we know what Biden did. We know the six billion for the hostages was the wrong thing to do, and we knew, and we said this years ago that stopping the embargo on Iranian oil was wrong because it would fund the terrorist groups in the Middle East, the Islamic terrorist groups that would eventually attack Israel or the United States. Both has happened, Yep, as, as we know. So we don't care what Biden says. He's a pathological liar. He's a confused pathological liar. Mm-hmm. We only care about the behavior of Biden. But as he said the other night, I think we need a pause. A pause means giving time to get the prisoners out. The president went on to offer a string of pronouncements about being the guy that convinced Netanyahu to call for a ceasefire to let prisoners out. Kirby was asked about that, about what ceasefire? There was no ceasefire. Right. And he had to backtrack on that because there was no ceasefire. Right. Didn't to happen. Get, to, to get those prisoners out. And cajoling Egyptian president uh, to open the door. Uh, to the border crossing. None of this rang any bells. Perhaps the White House will soon clarify that the president was overcome by one of his regular displays of public confusion because his comments contradicted the careful policy his administration has spent much of the last month articulating. Uh, John Kirby on October 24th. A ceasefire right now only really benefits Hamas, Kirby said on October 24th. It is ugly, and it's going to be messy, and innocent children are going to be hurt going forward, he continued. But that is the nature of war. Kirby warned reporters to steal themselves for the horrors of Israel's effort uh, to get Hamas uh, and what this would entail, and he informed them that the Biden administration had not imposed any red lines on the Israeli government. Kirby did, however, attempt to synthesize his black and white posture with Secretary of State Blinken's endorsement of the mere consideration of a humanitarian pause in the conflict. What does that mean? And how is a pause distinct from a ceasefire? Exactly what we brought up the last week, if you've been listening to us. Mm -hmm. Kirby struggled to say the difference is a question of duration and scope and the size and that kind of thing, he said. But size, scope, and duration notwithstanding, when the shooting stops, Hamas will rearm and regroup all the same. Call it a donut if you want, but a cessation of hostilities by any name will have the same effect, and it will be one the administration has already acknowledged will hurt Israel's strategic position. I mean, it's insane, Eric. It's just, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. God, I just it just well, is so and, frustrating. And as you mentioned, and we have mentioned all along when we started hearing this humanitarian pause talk, we we clearly pointed out that this is the Hamas playbook. Yeah. They know this. That's why they took the hostages. You slowly release a few hostages along the way while you continue to plan your further attack on Israel. You're not going to, there's not going to be a pause in their mission. All you're doing is 
basically tying the hands of his Israel. This this is not hard to see if you're actually looking. And this is, as we have said, they pretend, well, this is actually, to me, worse than the blunt anti-Semitism that exists out there. Yeah. Because you're lying to the American public. You're telling them that you believe one thing when you actually believe another thing by your behavior. Mm-hmm. And then you articulate what the majority of the American public want to hear while at the same time trying to back off on it from day one. They need to come out and say, listen, we can't win the far left in 2024. Uh, We ourselves don't believe Israel has a right to defend themselves, but we certainly can't win the far left in 2024 if we support Israel. Right. Just say it. Because that's exactly what's going on right now. And and Israel isn't going to stop. This is going to be a very long war. This is going to be a war between Israel and Hamas like we have never seen. And what happens next? Because we've gone from the administration saying, well, a ceasefire would only help Hamas to there needs to be a ceasefire. What's next? Because Israel isn't going to stop. So what is next? You're going to have to ramp up your call on Israel. You're going to demand it. Are you going to demand it? Are you going to put sanctions on Israel? Where do they go from here? Well, you know, the other thing, too, this is where this is where the administration does everything wrong. I mean, everything wrong. Mm-hmm. Having putting the vice president out there to say they're going to have the, the policy and now the group that's going to work on Islamophobia. I mean, they did that in order to appease the uh, Muslims in the United States that mm-hmm. believe in the genocide of the Jews. Right. That's why they did it. Right. Because it came out, if you support if you support Israel, you're going to lose Michigan. That's right. what, you're going to lose Michigan in the 2024 yeah. election. Right. That's the message that they're sending mm-hmm. to them. You can't support Israel. You must support the beheading of babies. And so what does he do in the midst of the anti-Semitism sends the vice president out there again in an unwinnable situation to say Islamophobia is bad and we need to focus on Islamophobia. Yeah. Believing that those Muslims that wish him to support the terrorists will go, Oh, okay, as long as the president's putting a panel together while at the still at the same time uh sending funding to Israel that yeah, okay, we'll vote for him now. Right. I mean, they're so bad at everything that they're not even gonna convince the far left that they oh, we really don't support Israel. And Durbin's doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's anybody can it's so easy to see through it. They are so they are so bad at politics, by the way. (laughs) Well, I mean, look, this is where we have gone. This is this is where it has gone with the far left in this country. The anti-Semitism. Tell me why they wouldn't be center stage in the summer of 24 at the DNC. In Chicago. 
calling for the eradication of all Jews. They're doing it now. Oh, yeah. Why wouldn't the party stand up there? You saw the burning of the Israeli flag in New York City. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is who the party is. If you're not part of that, we understand, but you're going to have to do something to separate yourself from that. If you're an active member of the Democratic Party, you are going to have to separate yourself from the radicals. Because that's where your party is. Well, you're going to have to be, and let me play this audio cut here, you're going to be like Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. From probably the most liberal state. Yeah. You can, you can make yeah. you can make the yeah. argument that Hawaii is actually oh, yeah. more liberal than than California. And right, she represented, right. uh, she was a con- congresswoman from uh, Hawaii mm-hmm. who, well, she was on Fox News the other day and Here's what she had to say about the Democrats. This is one of the main reasons, Sean, that I left the Democrat Party. It is clear, and it has been for some time, that they don't care about the safety, security, or freedom of the American people. Okay, I'm just I'm having problems uh, with uh, that. Hang on here, because I thought that I had... I thought that I had cleared up that problem. All right, let's do it again. All right, here we go. All right. This is one of the main reasons, Sean, that I left the Democrat Party. It is clear, and it has been for some time, that they don't care about the safety, security, or freedom of the American people, and they have become apologists for these Islamist jihadists. And, Sean, i got to tell you, for those like me, the many Americans like me who enlisted in the military because of the 9-11 jihadist terrorist attack on us— this is incredibly offensive. You know, I've, I've deployed three times to war zones in, in the Middle East and in Africa. I know how serious this threat of Islamist jihadism is. The Democrat elite, they don't care. They don't care. They instead, they leave our borders wide open, which we know are being exploited by these Islamist terrorists. And they redirect our security infrastructure, our assets, our intel assets, not towards focusing on these terror threats that are coming through our borders and elsewhere, they're focusing them on fellow Americans. They're focusing them on people who they have deemed as domestic terrorism threats or, or extremists, also known as people who are supporters of President Donald Trump or conservatives. Uh, and, and I want to point out, really, uh, Sarah mentioned this, but most importantly, we know that Iran has sleeper terrorist cells here in America. And unlike uh, the, uh, uh, the, the al-Qaeda, these terrorist sleeper cells have the access and capability and may have already brought in nuclear material into this country waiting to be activated. And if used, could launch an attack here, right here at home, that would make 9-11 uh, look small in comparison. So the, the graveness of the threats that we face right now, Sean, because of the failures of this administration, the Democrat elite, because they do not care about us, well, our safety, or our security, this is what we're facing. A lifelong Democrat, just so yep. people know. Yep. Until recently. Yep. When she has rejected them. Yeah. And that's what has to be done. If you are not on the side of the radicals and you're a Democrat, you're going to have to separate yourself from them. If you're going to be an active member of that party or you just leave the party like she did. I I bet the mayor of Dallas also is looking at it going, you know what? I'm glad I did it, too. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just because because what I saw in that party is is now ramped up uh, to a degree that 
I don't know that we have seen in this country where they are openly calling for Jews to be eradicated. These are absolute radicals on the left, and and they're protesting every day, every single day, proudly. Right. That is incredible. Right, because the message this time out, I mean, it goes beyond anti-Semitism. It comes from the fact that if you're supporting Hamas or you claim the Palestinians are talking about a ceasefire, then you are de facto uh, supporting the genocide of Jews. Yes. Because we've seen that's what happened. Right. That's the goal of Hamas, and they've made it clear since then that's their only goal. So if you're calling for a ceasefire... You're telling the the Jews not to defend themselves. You're calling for the eradication of Jews. Right. You You want them to watch sit there and watch as their people are slaughtered. That's where the Democratic Party is today. Yep. Yep. On the federal level. Yep. The leadership. The leadership. Because that's Biden. Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, and I'm Gary McNamara. So, uh, thought it was uh, thought it was a must to play Tulsi Gabbard there because again, yeah, she's yeah. lifelong Democrat, right? And right. and when she changed, it was like whoa, yeah. When the mayor of Dallas changed parties, it was like wow, that was that was a big deal. And you may say, well, it's Texas, but Dallas County is very liberal, and yeah. and has been for a while, and but you are seeing this, and I think you're going to see more of it especially in the wake of these events and the attack on Israel. And I think a lot of individuals, I don't mean just the rank and file. You might see some of that. Uh, that's the only way you can measure that is after an election. But the active members of the party, I think you're going to see a number of them. I, I don't know how many, but it would stand to reason that people would say, I, I can't do this. I can't support this party that takes this position. And so we'll, you know, I guess we'll see. Well, I mean, I wonder, you know, that's why to predict 2024 is impossible mm-hmm. because I do think there's some issues that are bigger than politics. You know, national security is something that Democrats and Republicans used to be able to agree on. Now we don't. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, you don't hear well, the one thing, and, and I know we know, cause we do talk radio. We really don't get anyone explaining why the, the policy at the border of the Democrats is correct. Right. Right. I'm, I don't think I've gotten one in since the, the protest in Dallas, what, 15, 16 years ago? Yeah. When some people might have said, well, we need a better immigration. So that's gone now. That's just. Oh, yeah. That's not even not even part of the discussion. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio 
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Welcome and good morning. Thank you for being here. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Hurley. And uh, thank you uh, uh, so much uh, to hang on one second here. Let me get to my notifications. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you uh, to one of our listeners who wrote and says, Gary, I thank you for talking about your golf instructor yelling at you. This is when we were talking about oh, yeah. Bob Knight yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did see a lot of comment yesterday that Bob Knight never let the public see his good side. <laughs> oh, but it yeah. says, Dear Gary, I thank you for talking about your golf instructor yelling at you. And this is my current golf instructor. And this goes back a, a couple of months where he was, you know, just screaming at me. And, and I didn't think anything of it because... Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's like, and I, and I think he probably thought, oh, wait a minute, this guy's paying me to take golf lessons. I mean, at the time, uh, you know, he's a, you know, he, you know, I'm, I'm, and I've been hitting the ball great. I mean, it's, the lessons have really helped, mm-hmm. but he's probably saying this is a 60 year old guy who's paying me money, but I shouldn't be yelling at him. He's not a pro, but, uh, he apologized to me after it. And I just said. Well, I didn't take it as a negative at all because mm-hmm. I viewed it as you believe I have a lot more ability at golf than I believe. Mm-hmm. So, no, <laughs> I took it in a good way that you think I can be a lot better than I even think I can be. Mm-hmm. So, no, it actually gives me an incentive. But he says, that, got this. thanks for talking about your golf instructor yelling at you. I was on my way to the driving range at the time, so obviously he was listening to our podcast. I applied that concept of hitting the grass ground in my session. I believe I started hitting the ball with better contact. Again, thanks for talking about it. Yeah. And that was where, and and he did. My golf instructor has told me, now I'm hitting the ground all the time. But even if I go to the driving range and he's not there, if I go to another driving range, I actually take a picture of where I hit golf balls and I bring it to him and say, this is what I did yesterday. He goes, oh, you're hitting the ground all the time then. Yes. Because it's not. I mean, people have, I, for years, I mean, had the wrong idea of a golf swing. You're coming down on the ball. You, you actually don't. It's not you. the golf club's coming across perfectly level to the grass, and then it hits that angle and goes up in the air. You're coming down on that ball. So, mm-hmm. uh, And that's what the feel is supposed to be like, and that's what he wanted me to work at. And he started yelling at me because I wasn't hitting the ground. And so he just said, take the ball out and just swing and hit the ground. Hit 500 times. Just go, 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 go. So, uh, good. I'm glad I could help someone. And there was a way I could get the sport of golf into the show. Yes. In fact, uh, the remainder of the show will be about golf. (laughs) And this just in, we've decided to set the clocks back. So there are four hours of the show left, not just three. We're setting the clock back early. A day early. (laughs) Uh, Three days early. Two days early. Early. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah all right well uh thank you to the listener i can't thank you enough 
for helping Gary bring golf back into the <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thanks a you're, lot. You're thrilled. Um, yeah. Wow, this was really interesting yesterday. Hmm. Marjorie Taylor Greene rants about vaping, groping Lauren. Yeah. An attack on colleagues. Yeah. Infighting among House Republicans reached a new low on Thursday when Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene unleashed an insult-laden tirade against her GOP colleagues after her bid to censure Representative Rashida Tlaib fell flat on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Among the insults hurled by Greene on Twitter was to refer to her new nemesis, now, this is from the Daily Beast, which is a liberal publication, just so you know. Yeah. After, so I'm just like, her new nemesis? I, I Honestly, I didn't know they were nemesis. I know that they had, had, you know, that she's had some words about her before, but I did not know that they were, quote, that Bobert was her new nemesis. Mm. But among the insults from Green to Representative Lauren Bobert, she called her a vaping, groping Lauren. And then called Representative Chip Roy Colonel Sanders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because of his goatee. Yes. Uh, after he, along with 23 other Republicans, refused to vote in favor of censuring Tlaib. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things, you know, Chip Roy came out, he put out a statement saying, look, I've, I, he wouldn't have any problem censoring her, uh, Tlaib, but... He said there were inaccuracies. Yeah, he didn't like, first of all, right. he didn't like the, the term insurrection that right. was used. And he pointed out that was abused on the whole January 6th thing. Basically, he's saying it. He's not saying it directly, but he's indirectly saying that you're behaving like the Democrats did in that regard. And he said it it made, it, it was uh, legally and factually flawed and so he voted against it and so did a total it was a total of 23 democrats or uh republicans that voted against it so uh his quote um representative rashida Tlaib has repeatedly made outrageous remarks toward israel and the Jewish people, her conduct is unbecoming of a member of Congress and certainly worthy of condemnation, if not censure. However, tonight's feckless re- resolution to censure Tlaib was deeply flawed and made legally and factually unverified claims, including the claim of leading an insurrection. I voted to table the resolution In January 2021, the legal term insurrection was stretched and abused by many following the events of the Capitol. We should not continue to perpetuate claims of insurrection at the Capitol, and we should not abuse the term now. So there was this problem with it. And he was pretty direct and clear about that. And then Roy responded. That was Roy, yeah. Yeah, Roy responded to Green's tweet also with the reference to a 2018 post where Green suggested that a laser beam or light beam from space solar generators controlled by a wealthy Jewish family 
might be to blame for devastating wildfires in California. Roy told The Hill, tell her to go chase so-called Jewish space lasers if she wants to spend time on that sort of thing. Yeah, that was in response to the whole Colonel Sanders thing. Yeah. Wow. But the good news is the GOP is clearly united. <laughs> it only took them weeks to find a new Speaker of the House. They spent so far this year roughly a month and two different occasions, looking for a speaker. So, or trying to vote on a speaker. And I don't know what 24 looks like. I really don't. If you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene, Chip Roy, and Boba, that all three at one time were considered to be conservatives within the Republican Party. I think Chip Roy still falls there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it looks like going forward. Now, we'll say this. Bobert didn't win with a clear margin in her district last time. And there's a ton of liberal money coming in for her opponent for next November. We'll see where that goes. Uh, I haven't even looked at Marjorie Taylor Greene's district. I I don't know. I'm guessing she's would survive a challenge. I, I don't know. But the party as a whole, I don't know where it is. I really don't know where it is. Well, the other thing is, I'm not a fan of Marjorie Taylor Greene. I want Comer to do the investigation, mm-hmm. and I want the leadership of the Republican Party, I, as you see yeah. now with Johnson yeah. in there. Yeah. I want I want them to be focusing on what's going on. Right. And yep. sorry, MTG can be a loose cannon. Mm. I don't want. I mean, there are some Republicans that I don't want supporting investigations that I agree with, or even issues that I agree with, because they explain it wrong. Right. And they can be children in explaining something that doesn't convince anybody. But your goal is to convince uh, the converted when my goal is not to convince the converted because they're already convinced. Yeah. I want to convince independence. Right. And so, as we have stated before, tone matters. Now, you and I, not big fans of Bobert, not big fans of MTG. No. The only thing is, is when she got a divorce... And the meme came out showing Kid Rock, <laughs> a shirtless Kid Rock, running on the beach trying yeah. to find her. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as she became single. Yeah. Um, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was just the. It was if you have seen the picture. It, the picture is it's funny. funny. I mean, it really, it's hilarious. It really. It really is funny. Um. You know, uh, Chip Roy. So far, I don't really have a problem with. I think he does communicate effectively. And, yes, he is. I I view Chip Roy, though, as another form of, and every party has it. You have the, they have, people have different roles. And he has been, you know, in his, uh, in his questioning, 
He has been semi pit bullish, which is good. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not yeah. that when I say that, I'm not coming down on him for that. Right. Right. And and so I think it's necessary, especially when you're dealing with the insanity of the bureaucrats and the president's cabinet yeah. when they're up there, which you need at times to pound on them. Yep. Yep. And so. You know, and, and, oh, did you see the other thing is whether uh, the other day about Representative Mace, whether she would, uh, whether she would take the, the vice presidential role mm. with Trump. Right. Yeah. Someone brought it up in an, in an interview or something. Would she still wear a scarlet letter? Would she still call herself a victim? She's such a child. She yeah. really is. I'm not a fan well, of hers and, at all. And, just, and that's, you know, there's the, the bigger problem because. Everything right now is about the election in 24. But if Republicans win, then what? Look, they took the House last November. What did what did that result in? I mean, just within the House. Well, you're seeing it. What if they take a greater margin? What if they take... The House with a greater margin, take the Senate and take the White House. Then what? That's only the beginning. The party has to bring it together to enact policy that is going to reverse what's going on. And right now, that is a massive, massive task that gets greater every single day. By the way, I when when uh, I call Mesa a, a child, I want to make sure I explain why. And it was when she wore the scarlet letter mm-hmm. because she was one of the eight, and she acted mm-hmm. like a, she acted like a victim and said, "I'm a woman," and you know, used the whole mm-hmm. woman excuse that she's being discriminated against mm-hmm. because she's a woman. So wore that scarlet letter. Yeah, grow and, up. Yeah, grow up. Be an adult. Stop being a child. You can explain why you voted a certain way. But that's you're trying to go viral. I don't care about look, being viral. Look, I, I think if, if you're going to do it, because when I first saw, all right, you know, OK, why didn't, you know, Representative Massey, why didn't he support the uh, the the uh, the Israel funding? Mm-hmm. Why didn't he do that? You mm-hmm. know, because you want to know. You're like, OK, what's what's up with him? Mm-hmm. And when I saw it, you and I listened to it together earlier when the show began. He just said, I don't support it because we're selling it falsely. We're selling it that the, that the, did I say Iran again? <laughs> the Israeli, the Israeli funding bill is paid for. It's not paid for because all they're simply saying is we're taking the, we want to take the money that was going to the IRS agents mm-hmm. and put it here for funding for Israel. Well, that comes from the Inflation Reduction Act. None of that was paid for. Right. We're still borrowing. Right. So don't don't lie to the American people was his message. Right. I don't want to promote it. Sort of like Chip Roy. I, I might be for censuring. Don't lie if you're if, there's enough to censure her without putting on its in own merits. False falsehoods. Very, very simple. In it. Don't do that. Well, and you know, because the call often is well, they should act just like the Democrats are acting. No. No. They shouldn't. 
They shouldn't. And, you know, that's that calling is has been out there for a, a long time. They need to start behaving the way they need to use the same tactics. No, they don't. If you have to lie to make your point, then it's over. And you don't have to lie to make the point against Tlaib. No, not at all. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, you and I talked about it earlier. Sam uh, Bankman uh, freed, convicted of $10 billion in fraud. Yeah. Reading here from the New York Post, as his parents look on in tears, faces 110 years in prison. I mean, it's it's a massive scam when you look at it. You look at the case against him, and it's unbelievable that people would. Actually, it's not. It's not unbelievable, but I just don't, I don't have that mindset. It's, it's hard for me to, to be in the mind of someone who just bought into something that he was selling the way he was. And, but it's happened before, you know, you trust people and Hey, everybody's doing it. Look, all these big name celebrities, they're on board. They're doing it. They're all investing in it. Well, why not? And then next thing you know, boom. So what you're saying is many celebrities are idiots when it comes to their own money. Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, God, I know. How does that happen? I don't know. How does that happen? They were, while all of that was going on in the lab, they were going, we can't, it's not working. It's not, we're not doing what you're saying in public. Yeah. And it's still happens and these people are beyond delusional they're beyond crooked because you could make the case about sam bankman freed he was doing it 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 appears to me he was doing it for the win more than the money (laughs) the win the status the all, all of the accolades the look he's the new wonderkind see he doesn't he doesn't wear business suits or comb his hair it's the new thing cargo shorts in the boardroom while playing video games he's a child uh he's a uh, a crook with a different fashion sense exactly yeah Let's celebrate that right. in our society. Right. The Bonus Show. 
In Trinidad Radio, he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yesterday, we started a campaign here on uh, on the show. Uh, we don't have any stories uh, to update uh, on. Well, you remember Big Oil, right? Yeah. Well, Eric and I have identified Big Wind, and uh, yep. we we uh, did uh, we did talk yesterday uh, about the offshore wind project off New Jersey uh, that has fallen through. And how much will taxpayers uh, lose because of it? And because we believe that the taxpayer is ripping off, we have started a new campaign here on Red Eye Radio. Break big wind. We are looking to break big big wind at every turn. Yes. So we we don't have an update on another failure today, but we just wanted to let you know that we're going to continue the campaign to break big wind. This whole thing stinks, and we are going to get to the bottom of it. Absolutely. Yes. yes. And we're telling other people to grow up. That's pretty rich. Well, you got to have some humor in it all. Hey, look, this is I think this is the first Friday in the last three that yeah. I haven't been frustrated as hell. Well, just with everything going halfway on. Halfway over. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, part of it was, I just got to read a couple of sentences here. I'm not going to go through the whole article. Ah. But, uh, you know, we had, we had talked about Hunter Biden having that op-ed piece in the USA Today where he's blaming that all the accusations are false. And uh, basically the Republicans are only going after him and his father and family because uh, he's an addict. And so what they're doing is they're going after addiction. Yeah. And because of what the Republicans are doing, this means that many people that are addicts may not seek the help that they want. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a line of horse manure, is it not? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, that's, <laughs> that's just garbage. <laughs> but uh, the uh, Jonathan Turley just wrote a column on his website the other day. It says, it seems that no interest loans are the common practice for the Bidens. After this column ran, the House Oversight Committee released a new report of additional loan repayment from James Biden to Joe Biden. The money again appears to have come from a transfer sent from one of the foreign sources in the Biden influence peddling scandal, CEFC China Energy Company. It's all part of the it's a wonderful life at the Biden brothers savings and loan. In the classic holiday film, It's a Wonderful Life, the Bailey Brothers Building and Loan Association just love how he relates it. Hey, Jonathan, it's only November 3rd. You're already bringing Christmas into your arguments? (laughs) In the classic holiday film, It's a Wonderful Life, the Bailey Brothers Building and Loan Association faced a run on the bank by customers spooked by rumors of theft and insolvency. George Bailey held back the crowd, explaining as he pointed to individual customers, you're thinking of this place all wrong. The money's not here. Well, your money's in Joe's house. That's right next to yours. As several Republican-led House committees follow the money in the Biden corruption investigation, the scene seems to be playing out in real life. It turns out that a kind of Biden family building and loan... (laughs) operated under some of the same loose accounting systems, and some of the money was literally sent to Joe's house or used to repair it. Oh, my. <laughs> the fact that he came up with that analogy of It's a Wonderful Life yeah. 
is yeah. in itself beautiful. So this would make Joe Mr. Potter. Yeah. It would have to be. You have to be, right? I think yeah. if you're looking at it. Right. Right. Yeah. He would. And Hunter. Mm. Who would be Uncle Billy? Remember, he screwed everything up. Was it Uncle Billy? Screwed everything up, and it's a wonderful life. I think that would also have to be Joe. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So it's all, all that's happening here is the uh, uh, Biden family building and loan mm-hmm. is just uh, the reason of all the cover up of all of this is because that bank is too big to fail. Right. Hey, Bert, my lips bleeding. My lips bleeding, Bert. Yeah. Uh, by the way, <laughs> that's the goriest line of any Christmas classic movie. Um. It's uh, I love that movie though. It's I, such a great it's, movie. It's, it's so really great. Is. And and you know, I know they have the colorized version. Yeah. No. 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 One of no. one of Ted Turner's worst mistakes, and mm-hmm. he's had a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that Where's was it, Wizard of Oz is okay going from black and white to color because that's that, originally that's originally how it's done. Exactly. done. I'm all right with that. And it's funny, you know. I got a I got a buddy of mine that's just a, a guy I went to high school with, just addicted to, to the rifleman, oh, and yeah. so we'll actually have yeah. conversations on it. And I said, you know, mm-hmm. the the what was incredible, and the right, it's still all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's on. It's like half the streaming channel. There's a rifleman streaming channel on Pluto. Mm. It plays the rifleman twenty four seven. All right. Cool. But I, as I told him, I said, you know what made that series? Not just that it was in black and white. Mm. Because the black and white sets a certain dreariness to the Old West. It did it, in It's a Wonderful Life. It did. Yes, it does. Yes. It, it, you know, with uh, a certain hard it, it did with uh, a, a number of classics it did mm-hmm. where, you know, it just looks cold. It looks rough. Yeah, and you know? and I've, but I, the rifleman would always impress me was the music behind it, hmm. the seriousness of the music. Yeah, when you knew that, uh oh, is there going to be a gunfight here? Mm-hmm. Is the sod buster going to pull out his rifle? Mm-hmm. You know, and the music, the seriousness of it, and then when it was time at the end uh, to go, let me see, there was Million. Who was the other one? It was Million? I forgot the other woman's name. When it was time to go to the hotel. To get Marka dinner and a piece of chocolate cake, the music became much more lively beneath right. it. Yeah. That's one thing I yeah. really noticed about that series. Because I loved it as a kid. I mm-hmm. loved mm-hmm. my brother and I were just addicted to the rifleman. Yeah. And and it's like real like a why. And I realized how impactful the music was mm. in in that particular uh uh, uh series. But mm-hmm. uh uh yeah, so I mean I just we've gone over everything that Turley goes over. I just wanted to relate how he <laughs> somehow related it to it's a wonderful life and yeah. the Bailey brothers building and loan is now the Biden family building and loan. Yeah, exactly. And Mr. Potter. Yeah. 
Joe Biden. Joe Biden. He's a combination of Mr. Potter and his Eric. The big guy. now said, and, and Uncle Billy. Yeah. He's basically both. Unless Hunter would be Uncle Billy. Yeah. Hunter be- would be Uncle Billy. Hun- Hunter yeah, would no, be no, Uncle no. Billy. Hun- be- because Hunter would be Uncle Billy. Because he un- screwed everything up. Because Uncle Billy lost the whatever was seven dollars $8,000. Well, and, and Hunter and left the laptop, laptop yes. <laughs> at a store. <laughs> well, what, what do you mean you left the laptop at the store? It's like, <laughs> of course he did. And, he and screwed at, everything up. And at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. You see all the. <laughs> <laughs> campaign money coming in at the end. Why? 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 You must be smoking crack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the modern version of that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Well, you quit waving the gun in front of the camera. It's you know, it's it's. I think it's very clear. Yeah, we can't though. We can't though because I know they say Bailey Brothers and loan, and and then they you know Biden family building and loan. But uh, mm-hmm. and so we can't really confuse George Bailey though with Mister Potter, if because right. no George Bailey actually owned it. So we we need to work on our screenplay here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. to get all the characters straight. Yeah, well, because Bailey's the good guy. Yeah. So, whose bank is basically insolvent? Yeah, <laughs> he's trying to help the people. Oh. How much do you need? I don't know who that would be in this case. Comer. <laughs> oh wow! No idea. So Comer's the investigator at the end. Yeah, right. Because the guy from the banking commission comes in at the end. Right. See, we're able to talk Christmas stuff that relates to the Bidens. You know. On November 3rd. With all the uh, deep fake AI stuff out there, somebody needs to somebody needs to make that happen. Wow. Yeah. That would... I mean, I know it would be infringing on characters and and the rights to the movie and everything else, but I don't care about that. I just want to be entertained. Yeah, um, that would be interesting to watch. But as he writes here, he goes, uh, what, is, uh, n- what is new now, according to House Republicans, is an emerging pattern of how the Bidens turned influence peddling into the equivalent of the family's personal savings and loan operation. Mm-hmm. Money moving between key family members was labeled as a loan in at least one instance, and Hunter has claimed other money as loans, a framing that not offered uh, plausible deniability, but non-taxable income right to irs whistleblowers who testified before the house investigators in july highlighted the use of loan of a loan allegedly to evade public disclosure and taxation hunter allegedly took large payments from dubious foreign sources and listed them as loans despite no evidence of repayment or any standard loan agreement which is why they wanted to go after hunter that's the great point because hunter was saying they were all loans in some form, manner, you know, manner or form. Yeah, and now yeah. it goes to Joe as being loans too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, they're all just loaning money to each other. That's all. All the time, 
a lot of money. Don't mind the wires and transfers from foreign entities. Don't don't look at the entire set of events. Yeah. I think the piece in USA Today was another desperate attempt. When you have Hunter himself throwing Hunter under the bus while also trying to make himself the victim once again. Then you've gotten to that point. That's where the defense on this whole thing from the Biden side has evolved to. It started out with, what? Nothing happened here. That's not my laptop. That's his laptop. That's not my laptop. By the way, you can't look at that laptop. Is it yours? Well, no, but if it was, you couldn't look at it. And I don't know anything about my son's business at all. I know nothing about my son's business. Oh, I was just involved because I was doing it out of love. And then uh, it was, well, Hunter, the media... Well, Hunter had an addiction, you know, Hunter had an addiction and now Hunter. Yeah, I had an addiction. The fire is very close. They know the GOP is close to that fire. And that's what you're seeing here. The evolution of the defense and the latest evolution or point is Hunter throwing himself and, under the bus. As he writes, in addition to the loans, money seemed to move between a number of accounts associated with Biden family members. Uh, as we know from reports from some of Hunter's text messages, he complained about money being used that he acquired for repairs for his father's home. None of this appears to have gotten the interest of the media because the word loan was written on some of these documents. It is once again accepted by many at face value in discussing a loan connected to one Hunter connected company. Rosemont whistleblower Gary Shapley called this classic tax evasion move. He said when the money came back to him, he booked it as a loan. Uh, despite the Biden's denials about uh, money, it seems to be everywhere and nowhere metastasizing and spreading throughout a dozen accounts, banks and family members. Yet many in the media and most Democratic members of Congress appear to be firmly committed to assuring that all this remains a wonderful life for Joe Biden and his family. Eight six six ninety red eye Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. How long ago was it with the protest at Loudoun Public Schools? Wasn't that like like three years ago? It was a couple of years ago, yeah. Yeah, because it was 20, 2020, 2021. You had students that uh, uh, walked out yesterday yeah. upset because the transgender policy is still in effect. Right. Wow, we'll get to that coming up. Just interesting that that's still going on with all the insanity. But there is a lesson to be learned here. Mm. The far left isn't going away. Nope, we said it back then. Uh, This is not going to change. We said it during the Obama years. Because Obama is no longer president doesn't mean it's going away. The left will not be done. They're going to ramp it up at every turn. And they have. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. You think it's bad? What the president did in Iran by allowing that oil money to be there? Hmm. This should have got more. This should get a lot more publicity. John Sobko, the special inspector general for Afghanistan reconstruction, because I bet you most Americans don't know this. I'm going to tell you right now, issued his latest report on Monday. The report revealed that the United States and its allies have supported the Afghan economy yeah. with cash shipments averaging 80 million yeah. Yeah. that arrive. This is 80 million every 10 to 14 days arrives in Afghanistan ever since the Taliban takeover yeah. and President Biden's disastrous withdrawal in 2021. Mm-hmm. The United States has sent over 11 billion in taxpayer dollars in assistance to Afghanistan since then. Yep. Sopko quoted UN assurances that the money is placed in designated UN accounts in a private bank rather than being deposited in the central bank or provided to the Taliban. Uh Uh-huh, right. Humanitarian. They did not wade into the argument that the uh, about the fungibility of foreign aid money that has raged ever since the Biden administration paid a $6 billion ransom to Iran for five hostages. If the United States and other governments are spending $3 billion to feed home and medicate Afghans, that frees up $3 billion for the irresponsible Taliban government to spend it on their priorities. Mm-hmm. Also, while humanitarian groups correctly point out that economic instability hurts the poorest residents of Afghanistan, the Taliban is posed to reap the benefits from the economy that American taxpayers have spent so much money on to stabilize the Afghan economy, that it builds up our enemies. Right. No, we're directly supporting the Taliban here. That's what's going on. There's no other way to look at it. That money is benefiting the Taliban. The inspector general, though, did note, however, that the Taliban has a long history of stealing the foreign aid, just like Hamas. Uh huh. Wow. The U.N. and other non-governmental organizations and other entities involved in aid efforts have paid administrative fees to various Taliban ministries, and these fees were recorded by the Taliban as inland revenue, the report noted from the Inspector General. Yes. Taliban interference into the U.N. and NGO activities has continued to rise throughout 2023, limiting beneficiary access to life-saving assistance, the Inspector General warned. Quoting a U.N. official who said violence against humanitarian 
personnel, assets, and facilities had a significant impact on the humanitarian response. Humanitarian agencies documented at least 127 instances of impeded access, including 26 aid workers arrested by the Taliban, a 73% increase in detention over 2022. The Taliban also demanded sensitive data from humanitarian groups, including lists of their staff members and beneficiaries. As a result, 49 UN humanitarian partner programs temporarily temporarily suspended operations in August of this year, and 36 remain suspended as of September, the the, uh, Inspector General noted. Wow. It talks about how the administrative fees, you know, they keep tightening down on these humanitarian organizations to pay administrative fees. Right. Then the administrative fees keep going up. And where does that money come from? American taxpayers. Yes, we're supporting terrorism all over the world. Through policy and direct payment, we are supporting terrorism everywhere. We're funding it. The embargo could be could be put into effect again at any time. The administration could do that, and they won't. And Iran benefits with tens of billions of dollars. They have access to the $6 billion. And now we learn about the Taliban. All yeah. along, since the botched exit, where Americans died and other Americans were left behind, we're, prop- we've been we're propping giving up the, we're propping our up the Taliban. money yes. to the Taliban. Because they're at, you know, it goes to the UN agencies that then have to pay basically a fee to the Taliban to be there. That's all American exactly. taxpayer dollars. Right. Yep. I mean, it's just pure insanity. I mean, it's just across the board, just insanity. And it's like, well, if you don't do it, since the Taliban doesn't care about the citizens, this is the argument, the same, it's the same Hamas argument. Right. That the Taliban controls it completely. The more money we give to these humanitarian organizations to prop up the economy and the people means that the Taliban remains stronger. Yeah. And then could continue, as they point out here, the inspector general, how they're now going after the women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the rights that the women had are gone. And so the United States is helping the Taliban clamp down on women. Mm-hmm. And American taxpayer dollars, $11 billion has gone to prop up Afghanistan and the Taliban. Right. So your taxpayer dollars are going to prop up the organization that was involved in planning 9-11. Mm-hmm. And directly responsible for the death of American service members and the botched exit of Afghanistan and now is in control of Afghanistan and our taxpayer dollars are still going there. Our taxpayer dollars uh, are going, uh, you see it in so many cases right now, 
through policy and taxpayer dollars where we are funding terrorism. And there is zero political will, zero will of this White House to change it. The Taliban is 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 working directly with Iran. We know that. We know that the Taliban is also working with other terrorist organizations as they build a terrorism superstate in Afghanistan. There's evidence of that already. We knew it was going to happen from the beginning. This president lied during the entire exit of Afghanistan and kept lying and Americans died as a result of that. He reversed the embargo on Iran and allowed them access to the global oil marketplace. And they make billions of dollars every year, tens of billions, and can take that money. They do take that money, and they fund terrorist organizations all over the world. We're at war with Iran. Well, we're at war with ourselves. Yes. We're funding it. We're, yeah, we're, we're funding our we're, enemy we're, every we're, single day. We're funding. We're allowing it. Yeah, we're at war with ourselves. Yep. Let's fund the war against the United States and our allies. Yep. It's pure insanity. It is insanity. Absolute insanity. Our own money going to... The eventual death and destruction of Americans. Yeah, because we know that's what the Taliban is planning. Yes. We know that's what Iran is planning. Oh, yeah. Slowly, that's what they want to do. And, and it's their playbook, just like Hamas. It's their playbook. They know. And they just, well, the playbook. They know how to, they know how to play a liberal administration and a liberal media all day, and they're yeah. getting it done. Yeah. And, hey, and why it, hey, why don't you guys and, tell everybody you need a humanitarian ceasefire? Why don't you start saying that a humanitarian pause? Say it that way. It'll sound better. Look, we know that some idiot like Dick Durbin will come out. Remember Dick Durbin, who uh, accused American soldiers at Gitmo of being just like the genocidal Cambodian uh, murderer, Paul Pot. Mm-hmm. They realize that people like Dick Durbin are anti-USA. Yeah. Is that, by the way, just so people of Illinois know, if you're anti-United States, you're anti-Illinois. Yes. Just so you know. Right. But we just said, you know, when he said that, you know, he had to apologize for it. I don't care. The fact that that came out of a senator's mouth mm-hmm. when there was no evidence to suggest that shows you how anti-American prominent le- the leadership of the Democrats in the Senate is with somebody like Dick Durbin. Yeah. So he's not only anti-United States willing to lie about U.S. troops. If you're anti-U.S., you're anti-Illinois. And if you see what's going on in Chicago and other areas, they don't give a damn about the citizens. No, they don't. They don't no. care. No. If you don't care about law and order, you don't care about life. You don't care about freedom. You just shake your head and then you see that, you know, the Afghanistan story today. You're just like, when is when is it going to end? When are, when are we going to, when are, and by the way, that's why, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, 
uh, you know, the lifelong Democrat mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. quit the Democratic Party. She sees it. Oh, yeah. What are we yeah. doing? Why are yeah. why are we electing people that wish to the United States to be harmed and are using our taxpayer dollars to harm us? And by the way, the polls still show that party that's willing to harm the United States and doing everything to harm the United States still has roughly half the support of the voters. Yes. Yet everybody knows it. Right. And then we see, I saw the, you know, the resurgence of anti-Semitism headline in uh, op-ed piece yesterday. It's not a resurgence. It's always been there. Oh, it's been there. They're just yeah. saying it louder right. now. The identity politics exists. That that scourge, that identity politics, which is racism, that the Democratic Party endorses. It's mainstream in the federal Democratic Party, which is Congress. Mm-hmm. And the White House. Identity politics, they live by that, judging people by groups and not individuals. That kind of barbaric mindset is why you had slavery, why you had Jim Crow laws, which, by the way, the Democratic Party also supported. Mm. And I think it's important to note, it wouldn't be important to note if they weren't, if they didn't have the exact same mindset today, which is judge people by groups. Mm-hmm. don't judge them as individuals judge them by groups and therefore some groups are oppressors some groups are victims and and today we're seeing them proudly promote their bigotry yep yeah we see it big time there's now. no question because yeah, that's what that's the level that now you can recognize that the democrats took identity politics and simply said okay Let's add Jews. And by the way, when we add Jews, it's okay to exterminate them. Mm-hmm. That group is okay to exterminate. Right. We're not going to say it, but our behavior, well, some are saying it. <clears throat> yeah, there are some that are, some of the activists yeah. are saying it right. out loud. And 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 so, and, and when you support it, when you say we support the Palestinians, you're saying we support Hamas. When you're saying there should be a ceasefire, what you're saying is the eradication of Jews is okay. Because you know Hamas. Hamas is saying, hey, we're not going to stop. Yeah. So only Israel should stop. Like I said, we've said this from the very beginning a few weeks ago. Tell us where we're wrong. Nobody can because you, you can't. can't. This is a very yeah. clear case. Yep. Eight six six ninety red eye Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. Due to safety concerns, many motor carriers have policies that limit or prohibit the use of cruise control. If your motor carrier does allow you to use cruise control, you should only use it in good driving conditions, during daylight hours, and on roads that have light traffic, few curves or hills, and a consistent speed limit. Never use cruise control when operating in adverse driving conditions, including wet, icy, or slippery roads. During rush hour in heavy traffic or on congested highways, at night, or when you're tired or fatigued. During all of these driving scenarios, you want to be controlling and adjusting your speed as you drive instead of having to suddenly brake if you encounter an obstacle. In the case of a slippery road surface, you want to be able to slow your vehicle by not accelerating instead of using the brakes whenever possible. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, figured, you know, since uh, we know what's going on uh, with uh, Iran and its proxies and, and how the, what the United States has done, uh, what this, I'll say not the United States, what this administration has done to ensure that uh, the terrorists that want us dead and and want uh, Israel annihilated and Jews dead, uh, since you know about that, and it's crystal clear there, we might also tell you about Afghanistan, where direct taxpayer dollars, $11 billion since 2021, has gone for the so-called, quote, humanitarian aid, which, uh-huh. again, money is fungible. Uh, that money also because these, uh, uh, these humanitarian organizations, uh, they have to pay a processing free to the fee to the Taliban in order to operate there. And they keep cracking down on them and wanting more in fees and then start threatening the employees. What we're doing is <laughs> it's just amazing. Uh, we are de facto supporting the Taliban. Yeah, the money in Afghanistan. Ending, the money's ending up in the hands of the Taliban. Yep. The Taliban, uh, they run Afghanistan and to say, well, no, the money's going to the people of Afghanistan is ludicrous. They run the show. It's their playbook. And it's like, well, we need to prop up the economy to make sure the people, which means if you prop up the economy and you're throwing tons of subsidies uh, to Afghanistan, yeah. it makes it so it's much easier for the Taliban to remain in power. Right. And become more powerful in order to do what? Destroy the United States and Western interests. Well, anybody who believes that the Taliban is going to be defeated or that the Taliban is going to cooperate with the Western world, that the Taliban is not going to act as it, as they have always act, acted, and that they're going to be, I don't know, the gentler, kinder Taliban, you're a fool or you're a liar. We're supporting this with our money. We're supporting this with our policies, which is the will of the people. Yep. All of it is by choice. We, as a nation, as a nation, as a society, we can decide right now to stop it. And when you when you take that, what's going? You know, the the uh, U.S. taxpayer dollars to Af- Afghanistan. How this administration has helped. Uh, support terrorism by taking off the uh, the uh, the uh, embargo, not putting the making sure the embargo is in place to keep that money from going to Iran. And then you look at what the left is doing to energy and what the left is doing yeah. uh, across the board on the border. Everything seems to be let us have a policy of suicide destroying in the United States. Ourselves. Let's destroy ourselves. Why? You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara, just sitting here thinking. Yeah. Pontificating. Right. And, you know, when, when, you, uh, when you think about living in a democracy, 
you know, part of part of talk radio is we have certain beliefs mm-hmm. and I, and our goal is to promote the things that we believe based on the truth mm-hmm. uh, in order to, uh, I'm sure in some cases, uh, probably a lot of cases that people that agree uh, already with us, they say, oh, okay, this is a thought I have and you've got the same thought and you, you've either explained it as well or better than I even have in my own mind. And therefore, okay, you affirm my beliefs. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of it is to convince people that the way of life that we have had, the Constitution of the United States, the the uh, individual rights uh, that we have, the system of government that we have, for as flawed as human beings are, is about the best that we've ever had in human history. And that we should continue to have that. Those, those things, those characteristics of our society that we live in, especially individual freedom and individual self-determination. Hmm. You know, the things that we talk about are why we believe in capitalism. You know, why we believe that people should acquire money. Not necessarily just to buy things. In fact, that's not my thought about why we live in a capitalist society and everybody should have the incentive to earn as much money as possible. It's not because of materialism, even though we'll probably hear that this Christmas season again, as we do every Christmas season. Mm. That's not the reason. The reason is that you get to determine where you go in life and how you do that is that representation of the hard work and the wealth that, and the productivity that you have created through society That you have, you know, that money where then you can determine where you go in life and nobody else gets to make that decision for you. It's self-determination. That's the system that we we live under. And you see where the left is going because we live in a society, and I mentioned talk radio because our job is to, our job and political parties' jobs are to convince you that their way of thinking is the correct way of thinking. Well, that's not where we are with the left anymore. It's not about convincing you to voluntarily think a certain way. Now, you may end up thinking a particular certain way, but it's taking all the negative characteristics of humanity, intimidating you, bullying you into believing or at least admitting that you can't fight this throwing money your way in order to sedate the masses so you just sort of go along with it. And when you come to anti-Semitism and racism, the identity politics, in order to sell it, you need somebody else to blame except the people in charge that have initiated the policy. Therefore, they create victims and oppressors. It's the Jews. Because the Jews control all of society, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so you get you get into that. But everything when you when you see everything today, and I was reading the students at uh, uh, Loudoun County Public Schools, where that you know the big to do a couple of years ago on that, fifty to one hundred students participated in a walkout. They want to reverse the policy, 
you know, saying in the locker rooms in the morning, it's an invasion of privacy. As I said, because when men and natural born males are in our locker rooms and they're showering in the morning, natural born females can walk in as they please. And the, the, the boys were saying, we don't think that's right. That shouldn't happen. And the girls were saying the same thing. And they said, they said so many students want to speak out on it and they can't because they're afraid of what will happen to them. And we saw that with the women in the Ivy League. You believe something that is scientifically impossible. You allow men, men and liberals, to define what a woman is non-scientifically. And if you don't agree to the absurdity of how we believe, well, then we're going to destroy your life. Yep. Raleigh Gaines knows about that. Other uh, Some of the other swimmers know of, of, of that. Mm-hmm. We're going to do everything to destroy your life. And we're going to threaten you harm. Yep. We're going to bully you. Because you think about it, everything across the board. No, we got to believe it's wind and solar. Wind mm-hmm. and solar, wind and solar. Mm-hmm. Jews are the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, Give me more money. Debt isn't a problem. All these things that aren't true across the board, all of them, the whole concept of, I really don't want to work anymore. I want to quiet quit. I really don't have the incentive anymore to do it. I'm owed this. I'm owed that. I'm owed this. Everything is about the bad character traits of human beings. Laziness. Sense of entitlement. Um, And that's, you know, that, that that's, and I'm asking the question, is that why? Because you and I are amazed that you would think that there would be massive protest of the insanity across the board that is going on based on what we have seen in the past in this country. And it's almost like, well, when you take the sense of individual individuality away from a person and all you do is make them creatures that want easy things and easy money from the government, and at the same time, they're afraid if they have any individual thought, their lives may be destroyed. Well, this is the kind of society that you get. And then other people out there, when you look at it, now you and I, we come from a generation. I'm never going to stop fighting for what I believe, ever. Nope. Until I'm in the grave, I'm not going to stop. And at times, you know, we get this, well, things aren't changing as quick as I want, so I'm not going to participate anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't have that attitude. The attitude is, I fight until I die. I will fight until I'm in the casket. Because I want future generations to have what I have. But destroying it, and when you look at, for example, we talked about the other day, critical race theory. Destroying, you know, that that white supremacy is about individualism. That's the entire point. They're trying to tear apart. Once you take away individualism. Once you take away autonomy and say you're a part of a group, once you brainwash young kids to believe you're a part of the group that's evil, therefore you don't have a say, your individuality doesn't matter, your human spirit and soul doesn't matter. Hey, here's some money. And by the way, we'll keep giving you more money. But if you get out of line, we're going to come down on you and we'll we'll destroy your life. When you look at everything at once, because there's so many things 
part of the thing the last three weeks, I said, my God, it's so insane. I mean, it's it, it keeps the insanity keeps upping and upping and upping where at times you may sit there and say to yourself, I just give up. Well, that's exactly what they want. Oh, man, I'm telling you, relentless. It's what we said during the Obama years, you know, all the lies being told. It, it, we came up with a theory, and I think it's a very plausible theory, that the left was participating and they knew we can tell all these lies because then all of a sudden the right is just saying liar, liar, liar all the time and we can just scoff at them. Well, it also could be that the people on the right are correct, that you are lying all the time. And then you look at, you brought up Loudon and the FBI agents that said, I couldn't believe we're sitting in a parking lot taking down license plate numbers of parents that are just there to issue a grievance. They weaponize them. Well, now I have to ask a question. You've got the mayor of New York who has been very loud, much to the chagrin of his own party and this White House in screaming about a broken border. And right before he's going to have a meeting at the White House about what's going on, his top fundraiser, her home is raided by the FBI. I'm just asking a question. He canceled that meeting at the White House, by the way. Well, because we have seen the intimidation across the exactly. board. You know, we've seen it come from the federal government. Exactly. Which is basically, you stay you stay in line. You're or, getting too loud. Right. Or or we're we're coming after right. we're coming after you and you could see it with the Loudon parents and the as you bring up the FBI agent saying, I just couldn't sit in a parking lot taking down license plates of people of parents that are concerned about the insanity of what their kids are being taught. Right. Which again wouldn't even raise a, uh an eyebrow years ago from anybody in the federal government. Right. Eh, people do what they want to do. They have right. freedom of speech. Right. They go do the things that they want to do. Right. And we, you know, we see it now. Uh, uh, I got my freedom of speech. You don't, you don't get yours. You know, the, the fact that individual rights don't matter, but I really take it back to what this country is about, which is the autonomy of the individual, which is the basis of all individual rights that the autonomy of the individual and individualism is really the, the core of 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 this country that I can disagree with you. I mean, freedom of speech is the fact that I can tell you to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Well, if I tell you to go to hell, my life may be destroyed and legitimately be destroyed because there's a group of people out there that believe that we should destroy your life if you don't believe our insanity. Mm-hmm. And they are public with it. And now it's taken to the point, you know, you see the intimidation that they have felt, you know, that the the women swimmers felt that that students are feeling right now going, well, this is pure insanity. Well, now we've seen it's taken to a level and you see it growing more and more in liberalism today where Jews should be eradicated. Right. We found the oppressor. The Jews are the oppressors. They should be eradicated. This is something we thought was buried after World War II, and it's not. And it's coming back strong. And where is it coming back strong? In the United States of America. Where we treat parents with a grievance as terrorists and then give the terrorists a break. The actual terrorists around the world are being funded, and they get a break. We want to give them a reprieve. We want to give them a humanitarian pause. 
That is reality in its hardest and coldest fashion. 2023 America. God help us. Yeah. It just, it's, uh, you know, and so you just sit back and you think about it and you're like, wow. You know, it's not about it's not about convincing people that you're right anymore. It's about bullying, intimidating, threatening power of government coming down, uh, 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 you know, uh, on you. And now you see a growing in liberalism more than I've ever seen it in the United States in modern times. The genocide of Jews is acceptable. Yes, it's okay. Why? Because they're oppressors. Why are they oppressors? Because somebody told me they run the world. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yeah. Is there an allegation that you saw somebody shoot somebody? So in self-defense, you think you should kill that person? Or there's a serial killer out there that's killing lots of people, and so you kill them before they kill any more? Is there anything like that where there's any type of direct evidence of that individual? Or is it just you belong to the group, you should be eradicated? Oh, Think no, about it. It is. It is. Scary. Absolutely frightening. Yep. Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yeah, so just uh, doing a little of a bit of pontificating about the state of yeah. our of our society, but yeah. it's just at the bottom of the hour. It's like, wow, just all this stuff, and you think about it, and you go, yeah, it's all related, oh, you know. Sure. And, it, and it's it's not about the left, you know, uh, convincing people that they're right. It's about bullying. It's about intimidation. Oh yeah. It's about threats. Right. It's no longer and, campaigning and, the way right. you would campaign. Right. Even as an activist, you would go out and you would say, okay, this is what needs to be. It's now you do this or else. Right. You say this and repeat this or else. And by the way, we'll give you a lot of money, too, from the government. Right. Yeah. But if you step out of line, it's over. Right. And you you see it. I mean, you see it in the younger generation today. You see, You look at the the bigotry and the intolerance that they that they have because all of this the polling has showed they're willing to say and the high the more highly <laughs> the more quote mm-hmm. highly educated end of quote yeah. they are yeah the more bigoted they are the more entitled they are mm-hmm. the more lazy they are mm-hmm. the more judgmental they are and now the the more, more radical an- they are more radical the more anti-semitic they are is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, 
It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.